Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning. It is 7.02, beautiful city of Tucson and the beautiful state of Arizona, and I'm glad to be with you guys here as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show right here on 1480 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. You can also follow along if you can't get the uh, the radio signal, whether you're in your office or something somewhere unable to uh, to get it. There's a glitch in the matrix. You can also find us on the Internet. You can stream live at ESPNTucson.com. It works real nicely. So uh, plenty of ways to catch the show, and we appreciate you tuning in. And we have got a ton of things to discuss today as we only have two hours leading up to what's going to be an extremely long weekend. Uh, just a programming note, if you haven't heard, I will be off the air tomorrow. <clears throat> uh, it's just a, a, a situation where it's it's late night basketball game travel, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's gonna it's gonna be it, it would be a train wreck to put me on the air tomorrow morning. To be honest with you, so we're not, we're not gonna do that. So I, I'm gonna be I'll, be I'll be off tomorrow, and then it's a holiday on Monday. Of course, we're observing Martin Luther King Day on uh, on Monday, January seventeenth. So we won't return until Tuesday. So a lot of things will have happened. By that time, the Wildcats will have hopefully played two basketball games at home, the men's team. The women's team will have hopefully played two basketball games on the road. And we will have an entire slew of football playoff results as well as NBA results to get into as well. Um, Just, you know, a a litany of things to get into today. Uh, and, And plus, you never know what the Jedi might be up to as well. You know, yesterday was a quiet day for the Jedi. There were no transfer portal signings. There were no, you know, big news. There was no dancing gifts on Twitter it was uh, relatively quiet, so the uh, the calm before the storm maybe of another transfer uh, notification, hopefully an offensive lineman or two, as Arizona could certainly get a little more depth uh, along the offensive line there moving into this season uh, to help protect all those talented players that they've brought in on offense and uh, you know help maybe get some rest to those talented defensive players that they've brought in as well. So we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll keep you updated via Twitter, and then, of course, we may have some reactions and things to discuss on Tuesday when I return to talk about Arizona Wildcat football. Um, Arizona Wildcat basketball in action tonight as Arizona hosts Colorado at the McHale Center. That game tips off at 9 p.m., so uh, eat your dinner early and then come on down and enjoy the food and beverage that they have now offering are now offering at uh, specifically the beverage that they're now offering at the McHale Center. And uh, you can come enjoy some great basketball. Our Wildcats haven't been in action at home in a while. I mean, it's only had one game in the last, uh, what was it? Wow, the last home game was 29 days ago, something like that. It's been forever since, uh, you know, they've put together a string of games. So hopefully get a couple games in this weekend. Looking forward to that as the uh, the Rocky Mountain Schools are in town I'll have a, a, a you know a total you know breakdown of, of what's going to be happening a preview of that game coming up here very shortly as uh, Colorado comes into town look they're they're a good basketball team you can always count on Colorado being pretty good um, they've never won at the McHale Center which is good for Arizona uh, trends and things like that obviously 
the Wildcats 10-0 and against the Buffaloes at the McHale Center, but have struggled with them on the road. Colorado, a very good home team. Uh, Boulder, a tough place to play. And, of course, Tad Boyle always puts together a pretty good, pretty good basketball team. He's a good basketball coach. And uh, we'll have them coached up and ready. He watches a ton of film. He's a, he's, he's a real uh, film jockey. He loves to watch film on teams. So they will be ready for Arizona. They do not match up well, I'll tell you that. But they will be ready. <laughs> so we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Uh, in other Arizona basketball news, the UCLA game has finally been rescheduled. It's been rescheduled to that wonderful television viewing prime time of Tuesday at 9 p.m. Thank you so much for that. We had to wait all this time for the Pac-12 to decide on when to reschedule that game. They finally rescheduled it for Tuesday, January 25th, so that it will appear at 9 p.m. on ESPN. So the Wildcats will be in the Bay Area that weekend. They'll have to travel from, I think it's from Berkeley. Uh, They play on Sunday in, in Berkeley, and then we'll travel to Los Angeles to play a late Tuesday night game. So Wildcats are going to be on the road for a little while thanks to this uh, rescheduling. How how pathetic is it? I mean, and let, let's be honest here. How pathetic is your conference? How, I mean, and when, when I say that, I mean as far as, like, the, the television rights go and the television contract and such, how pathetic is it that you have to hold off this top five matchup between two teams in your conference? You have to hold it off. Pardon me. Almost had a sneeze come on there. <laughs> you have to hold off that game for so long to make it appear like the uh, one team's ducking the other team because you wanted to make sure you can maximize television profits. And your idea of maximization of television profits is a Tuesday night game at 9 p.m. How pathetic is the Pac-12 network? I mean, seriously. So that's what uh, that's what we're stuck with, though. Unfortunately, for the next few years, because of that wonderful contract that Larry Scott got us into, and uh, I mean, it's just, this is a situation where a bad hire can set back an organization for a long time. I mean, this is, this is by the time it's all said and done, it will be the better part of a decade or longer that the Pac-12 has had to languish in anonymity because of the decisions of one man and his quote-unquote leadership of this conference. It, it's, it's, uh, I, it, it's so important to make sure you get the right people in charge. So far, I'm, I'm happy with what George Klyovkov has done. Unfortunately, the guy has had his hands completely handcuffed behind his back in terms of trying to move the conference forward financially, trying to get more revenue going for the conference because television contracts are so bad. So that is why Arizona is playing Tuesday night at 9 p.m. because they got an ESPN slot to slide in there. They can say ESPN has an open slot at 9 p.m. We'll take it. It's Tuesday night at 9 p.m. We'll take it. Anytime on ESPN is better than the most prime real estate on Pac-12 Network. So Arizona is now, you know, look, at some point, you have to just take on the mentality of we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime. And I think that's what Arizona is going to embrace. You know, Tommy Lloyd said to the media, he says he doesn't feel slighted by any of the teams. It's not – he doesn't feel like teams are ducking them. I feel like he's been given a good enough explanation by the people that are in charge of that 
to say that, look, you know, we're trying to find the best spot for you guys to play to get you the most eyeballs on your program. And it's, it's important. I want them to play. I hate these long layoffs. Plus, you never know what's going to happen between now and then in the city of Los Angeles. I- interestingly enough, <laughs> you know, the game was announced uh, as, as January 25th, right? So Tuesday, January 25th. On January 21st, the city of Los Angeles is going to revisit their uh, uh, their COVID protocols and whether people can gather en masse for sporting events and other types of events and things like that. Wait, wait, what, a, what a coincidence. Go figure. So all this time UCLA not playing in front of fans sounds to me like the city of Los Angeles is going to miraculously approve people to gather once again it's it's safe enough now it wasn't safe enough 11 days ago but it's safe enough now for us all to leave our homes and go gather in mass inside of a building and cheer on our bruins so uh it's, it's all kind of working out the way that we thought it would the people that are manipulating this situation are winning and let's just hope that arizona the who in my opinion is a better basketball team than ucla is right now uh, will continue winning as well. So we'll have, obviously, a full, you know, ready preview for that. Um, look, UCLA is a very good basketball team. There's no doubt about it. Jaime Jaquez is a great player. Uh, Johnny Juzang, who can, you know came on like gangbusters last year, specifically in the tournament, has turned himself into a real, you know, a real basketball player. But, you know, honestly, the guy that, that you know, stirs their drink is their point guard, Tiger Campbell. And when I first saw Tiger as a freshman, you know, you look at it, you know, the guy's got the weirdest hair ever. Like, I, I just, I don't even want to get near the stuff. I can't even, it's it's just weird. Uh, you, you know, you watched him play, and I saw a, you know, an 18-year-old who was completely in control of the offense, in the ability to run the offense. Um, Arizona was throwing things at him that took time to adjust, but no and behold, he did and was able to you know, to manage the offense good enough. And then last year, his sophomore season, um, was even better. And now this year, he has taken strides and leaps and bounds in his offensive game, his scoring ability, and he has now become their number one weapon. He's a real problem. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a problem I saw coming, a problem that I was hoping he would be one of those, um, you know, overzealous young, you know, NBA aspirations type uh, of, uh, of players that he would jump to the league earlier than what most people would recommend. Uh, he didn't, and now he's back, and he's having a phenomenal season, and he's one of the best players in the league uh, and one of the best players in the country too. So Arizona will have to deal with uh, with that, figure out how they're going to defend Tiger Campbell, probably throw Dale and Terry at him, and uh, that'll be a fun matchup to watch. But that's still, in, in the grand scheme of things, a long ways away from today. That's still 12 days away from now. And Arizona has plenty of games to play in between then that we'll be, uh, we'll be talking about. Obviously, we'll get into the Colorado game coming up here in just a little bit. Arizona women's basketball, they're in action tonight as well. The 11-1 Wildcats, led by Adia Barnes, heading into Corvallis to take on the Oregon State Beavers. We've only played 10 games this year. You know, again, COVID protocols have, have really decimated both men's and women's sports, and certain teams have been affected more than others. Oregon State 7-3, and three, only played 10 games this year. Uh, that game's going to be tipping off at 8 p.m. tonight. The Wildcats are still going to be without their point guard, Shayna Pellington, who is nursing an injury, as well as Lauren Ware, 
who is you know their their you know their force inside essentially as uh, she is also still nursing an injury and you know Oregon State is a you know they're they're going to be a, a, it'll be a test for the Wildcats obviously um because of the lack of play and things like that it's just you know this Pac-12 is good um but uh, it looks like Arizona might be kind of loading up for that Oregon game uh to make sure that everybody's full go full health um, for that Oregon game, because that, of course, is a huge matchup coming up for the women's team. So we wish uh, Adia and the uh, the women the best of luck tonight in Corvallis as they take on Oregon State at 8 p.m. Uh, that game will be on the Pac-12 network, I believe. Um, and then, you know, in the other news here locally, if you watched some hockey last night on TNT, as is customary for the Coyotes to get, like, two national games a year, it's always against some huge opponent, and here come the red-hot Toronto Maple Leafs with Austin Matthews returning home, you know, to the state of Arizona where he grew up, of course, and, you know, all that. And there were tons of kids wearing Austin Matthews jerseys. And, look, I have no problem with that. Um, in fact, I was I was talking to a, a guy last night who sent his son to the uh, to the game. His, he, his father, uh, so the kid's grandfather, essentially, took him to the Coyotes game last night. They're Coyotes fans. But his son, growing up here, is, is a high school student at, uh, at Desert Vista. Uh, his son plays hockey at Desert Vista, is a huge Austin Matthews fan because of the influence here in the state of Arizona. So he wore his Austin Matthews Leafs jersey to the game, even though they're Coyotes fans. I have no problem with that. Kids, you, you know, get to root for their favorite players. I did the same thing. Um, I didn't, you, you know, I was always a Suns fan, but I was a huge Clyde Drexler fa- uh, fan growing up, so... I would always root for the Blazers when they weren't playing the Suns, and I had, you know, Drexler uh, jersey, Drexler posters in my in my room, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's fine, you know. Kids are are gonna pick their favorite players, you know, the guys who raise the eyebrows of the youngins because they're so spectacular and they're good, and you know, the, the, you know, all these other things that uh, that the kids are attracted to. So it's cool that uh, Austin Matthews has that great following here. Now, in a game that I expected. The Coyotes to just, I, I mean, when I saw the line on FanDuel Sportsbook, it said uh, Maple Leafs minus one and a half. I was like, that's an easy one right there. Just click on that. They're going to lose by six. I mean, it's, you know, the Coyotes had no chance even being in that hockey game last night, let alone winning the damn thing. But nonetheless, the Coyotes get that improbable win over the Maple Leafs last night. They win the game two to one. I, I mean, what can you say? That I remember on the on the broadcast as they were getting ready to wind down. It was uh, there was like you know ten seconds left on the clock, and they were talking about the stars of the game because always one of the big things in hockey is they always have the stars of the game. There's three stars, and one of the uh, the the color announcer Darren Pang says, "You know, just give Vimelka all three stars for tonight because he was insane between the pipes for the Coyotes, forty five saves last night let one get through early in the second period and that's it you know Toronto and it's not just like you know 46 shots on goal you're like oh my god but it's always about scoring chances people always say it's it's, it's all the scoring chances how many scoring chances they have well of those 46 shots 28 of them were legit scoring chances which is a very high number and Vimelka was absolutely up to the task standing on his head last night and uh, out dueling Mrazek uh, the the goaltender for the for the Leafs because the Coyotes only had I think they only had like nineteen eighteen or nineteen shots on goal, able to net two of them. One of them was a beauty, and the Coyotes get the 
probably what I'm calling the most improbable win of the NHL season so far as they beat the Maple Leafs by a score of 2-1 to one, when they were basically playing a lot of the game with players from the Tucson Roadrunners. Not kidding. Like, there were six guys from the Roadrunners on that roster last night playing hockey. They were down to essentially their third-string defense in that game, <laughs> able to hold the Leafs to one stinking goal. It was uh, it was quite the effort by the Coyotes last night. They get the dub over the over the red hot uh, Maple Leafs, much to the chagrin of all the Canadians that were in attendance last night. And there always were. I used to work for the Coyotes back in the day, and the biggest crowds of the year were Red Wings, Blackhawks, and Maple Leafs. Every single year, those were those were the the biggest crowds of the year. You can always always expect a lot of Canadians there. It was funny because I would you know I would be there early. I would show up two, two and a half hours early for the game. And it's the first time, I remember the, the first year that I was working with them, uh, I'd get there early, and it was the first time I ever saw tailgaters at a hockey game. It was like a, you know, it was like a, like a Wednesday night. You show up, and there's people, you know, there's motorhomes all over the parking lot. I'm like, what in the world's going on here? And they've all got Maple Leafs flags hanging on their motorhomes, all these Canadian plates and stuff. These people that just travel around the country following the Leafs, as I like to call them. And it, it was I've never seen that much activity as far as tailgating before a hockey game in my life. It just It's just different up there. I, I've, I've been to Canada once, beautiful place. Um, it's just different up there. The way, they, the way they treat hockey is the way that we treat football. It's, it's an absolute event every time it goes out, except they play 82 games a year which would be tiring to me. And I don't know where they get all their money from. Like, how do you tailgate 41 times a year on the road? That doesn't make any sense to me. But, hey, not my money. Good for them. But uh, it was always a big deal when the the Leafs came to town. And, of course, it was last night, especially with Austin Matthews there returning home uh, with the uh, the Maple Leafs as well. So good win for the uh, the Yotes. And, uh, look, they don't have a prayer this season of making the playoffs. But a win like that, (laughs) man, Serves notice uh, that, you know, this thing is still wide open, obviously. There's chinks in the armor of everyone. And the Maple Leafs showed their chinks in the armor last night. They got uh, they got roughed up. The uh, Coyotes really really put the hitting on them. So it was a good game to watch. Fun, exciting, and uh, happy for the Yotes. So um, we'll come up. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to keep an eye on some NHL developments. Obviously, with the team not being very good, uh, you know, it's a little difficult to talk uh, Coyotes hockey, you know, every single day here. But when they get a big win like that, We'll certainly talk about it. Coming up after the break, we'll start to get into the college basketball game, the you know the big game tonight at the McHale Center. We'll start to preview the Wildcats and the Buffaloes. We'll also have some NBA news and notes for you as the, the Phoenix Suns are going to be in action over the weekend as well. If you're missing football on Thursdays, you know, like just about everybody is, unfortunately it's going to be quite a long time before we get football on Thursdays again. But – you can always check out the NBA on TNT, especially if you're a member of FanDuel Sportsbook's sports app. It doesn't matter if you win or lose because FanDuel is going to give all customers $10 back every Thursday. All you have to do is bet $10 or more on a same-game parlay on any NBA on TNT game, and it gets $10 back. SGPs let you combine the money line, point spread, player props, and more all into one wager, and the more you bet, the more you get, obviously. There's tons of different NBA market options. I discussed 
the 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 uh, the, the the play that I made on uh, on Tuesday night with the uh, with the Clippers. And just on a whim, I was like, ah, they're down 24. Let's have some fun. They're at home. I'll throw five bucks on them to win at plus 2,600. And they pulled out the win over the Denver Nuggets. And that was, you know, it was just fun to sit there and watch, which is five bucks. But it made the game so much more enjoyable to watch. And you can do that, too. Jump in the fast lane with, you know, uh, you know something, a, a trend that you see or, or just something fun to have. Um, you can root for your favorite players if you have favorite players in the NBA. If you like John Morant, I just threw some SGPs literally just before I went on the air, some SGPs on some John Morant props for tonight against the Timberwolves. It's the perfect way to turn a small bet into a big-time score, and whether you win or lose, you're guaranteed to get 10 bucks back added to your account. Of course, the live betting, jumping into fast lane for NBA games, tons of fun. Odds boosts and specials are always available, and the app is super easy to use and safe and secure as well. Plus, when you win, you get paid out in as few as two hours. So enjoy every Thursday, TNT Thursdays, with FanDuel Sportsbook and get $10 back. And if you're new to FanDuel, great. Just sign up with my promo code, Dean, to get your first risk-free bet up to $1,000 so that you can make every moment more this NBA season. But use my promo code, Dean, D-E-A-N, uh, and that's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Bonus issued is not no trouble. Site credit expires in seven days. Max bonus is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. Coming up next, Wildcats and Buffaloes preview tonight at the McHale Center. That's next on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on January the 13th. This is a Thursday. We're doing our full weekend of sports preview today as uh, I'll be off the air tomorrow and Monday. So it's a four-day weekend for me just for radio business, but I'll be doing plenty of other things. In fact, I'll be in Tucson a couple of times over that four-day span. So looking forward to uh, seeing the fans of the McHale Center tonight as Wildcats take on the Colorado Buffaloes in a – look, it's it's a big matchup for Arizona because this is important that they don't stub their toe, especially at home, against a team who's you know feeling pretty confident about themselves in Colorado right now. You look at Colorado's last several games, you know what I mean? Colorado's losses this year, they had a, a weird loss to, to Southern Illinois. Um, it was a, a tournament game, a preseason tournament game, kind of the opener to that tournament. Um, you know, they lost, they lost Southern Illinois, but they've played four conference games already this year. They beat Stanford back in November in a, in a real close game in Boulder. It was a good game, actually, a real good game. They lost to Tennessee, or uh, lost to Tennessee uh, at home. Um, got blown out by uh, by the Vols. They also lost to UCLA in Los Angeles. In a, it was a pretty close game for a while, um, and then UCLA started to kind of pull away and put the clamps down and stuff like that. But since then, they've gone on a run. They beat Eastern Washington. They beat Milwaukee. They beat Bakersfield. They crushed Bakersfield. Um, and then they beat Washington State in a you know in the in the the two home matchups against the Washington schools. They beat Washington State in what was a, actually a really good basketball game in a situation where Colorado hadn't played in like three weeks because of protocols and pauses and, of course, the Christmas break and all that stuff. They hadn't played in three weeks, 
And according to the the reports, they had only had two practices getting back from the pause and the uh, and the, the Christmas break before they played Washington State. And Washington State's a good program. They're number forty two Ken Palm team right now. Um, and they you know they beat Washington State in that game. Looked pretty good doing it, and then turned around and just dominated Washington. Now the one thing about Colorado, Colorado doesn't. They don't do this this year's you know Colorado team and they look a team that's coming back from uh last year who they won a tournament game last year in the NCAA tournament but then lost a ton of players like lost their entire core of players and McKinley Wright and uh you know Deshaun Schwartz and you know a lot of players who contributed and three starters um from that team last year who contributed so they've got an entire slew of new slew of guys but it's not all just transfers it's it's guys that are with the program which is certainly helpful for Tad Boyle and his staff. Now, Colorado doesn't do one thing particularly well. Um, when you, Like when you watch them play, and if you look at their statistical breakdown, I mean, the best thing they do is get to the free throw line. They're 14th in the country in getting to the free throw line. So they're very aggressive. They know how to work the angles. Um, they get to the free throw line. They attack the basket. They attack specific players, you know, in, in certain situations, try to get people in foul trouble, and are able to break down defenses that way. But the the thing with Colorado, and I've seen them play about five times this year. I watched the the Stanford, UCLA, Tennessee, and the Washington games, and then I've seen highlights of other games. Um, in those games, now two of those games were losses, um, but in those games, one thing was very evident about Colorado. They, they get stops in bunches, like they'll – they're not their defense isn't that consistent like they're not a lockdown defense but they'll get like a couple of back to back or you know uh, back to back to back stops where they actually play great defense for like two or three possessions they'll get those stops and they go on runs that change games to their favor like um like in, in the in the Stanford game they were down i think they were down 5 in that game like midway through the second half it was like 11 minutes left in the second half they were down 5 i think and they went on a run. They got some stops, and the next thing you know, they're up nine, and in full control of the game. They end up winning that game, eighty to seventy-six. Same thing happened in the in the Washington game. The Washington game was a close game for quite some time, but then Colorado went on like a little run, and then they went on a big run. I think it was like an eleven to two run in that game where they got some stops and were able to score some some transition buckets, get some you know, get some uh, some shots at the free throw line. Next thing you know, they're up 12, and then they just put the brakes on, you know, put the clamps on them, and suffocated Washington to death and ended up winning that game 78-64. So Arizona is going to have to try to withstand those type situations. And honestly, the way that Arizona is going to have to withstand those is by not defeating themselves, by making sure that they're taking great shots, not just good shots, but taking great shots, passing up good ones for great ones, which is what Arizona has done all year. They lead the country in, in assists, right? I mean, so obviously they are looking for one another, not only in the half court, but in transition, of course, as well, being unselfish and making sure that they're sharing the basketball, which is super important because, um, you know, the guy with the basketball is always going to get the most attention. And if you can find somebody who does not have the basketball that's not getting the attention, they're going to get a much better look at a shot than you will, you know, maybe in a double team or situation or something like that. So it's going to be important for Arizona not to essentially shoot themselves out of 
you know, the, the shoot themselves into a Colorado run is kind of what I'm basically trying to say here. Like, if if Arizona can can be efficient on offense, I don't think Colorado's defense is good enough to stop Arizona. I think Arizona's certainly efficient enough, good enough, talented enough, big enough to be able to hang, you know, 85 to 90 points on Colorado. Colorado's a good defensive team. They're not great. They're good. Um, but like I said, they've got to make sure that they don't let Colorado get those runs on them because that's what Colorado does, and that's what they've done over the years, especially when they had, like, McKinley Wright, who could just dominate the pace of game for Tad Boyle. They'd get a couple stops. They'd get a run, like a 6-0 run, a 7-0 run, something like that. All of a sudden, now you're in a dogfight. It's a one-point, two-point game, and Colorado would just choke you to death. They don't have that ability now. But they're good enough, especially in transition. Like This Colorado team likes to get out and run. They've scored a lot of points this year. Their offense is actually pretty good, um, and they're shooting the ball. I guess they're an average shooting team. Um, we'll put it that way. They're good on the glass. You know, they're, it's, it's going to be a good fundamental team. They don't turn the ball over. You know, they're very Tad Boyle. You know, they don't turn the ball over. They rebound well. They play solid defense. Um, you know, they'll run in transition when they get the opportunities, but they're not going to push those opportunities to, you know, to the point where they're going to be committing turnovers. Um, they play a solid, you know, foul game essentially where they're, they're usually going to win the foul game against their opponents where they're going to, you know, create more fouls than they commit. So they're just they're just a good, solidly coached, fundamental team. Um, not a whole lot of flash and dash, but they can light it up, you know, in certain cases. And, and I already talked about Evan Batty, who has been a problem for the Wildcats over the last couple of years. He always seems to save his best game for the uh, for the Wildcats. So we'll have to be aware of Evan Batty as he is always looking to make a statement against the Wildcats. Um, when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about this game, and we'll talk about some of the important players for Arizona in this game. And it might not be the guys who you think it is. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Thursday morning. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking some Wildcat basketball right now, specifically previewing the game between the Wildcats and the Colorado Buffaloes tonight at the McHale Center tip-off is for 9 p.m. Hope to see you all down there. And like I said, look, I've said this a bunch of times. If you're at the game and you want to come introduce yourself and say hello, I would love, love to meet you. Shake your hand or, or you know, COVID times, I mean, not shake your hand, whatever, Bump, you know, bump elbows or whatever, uh, but you know, come down and, and and you know introduce yourself. As long as you're there before like forty minutes before thirty five to forty minutes before tip off, because that's when things get really busy for me. Um, but for the most part, I'm just there prepping and kind of looking over pronunciation guides and things like that for the guys. So come down and say hello. Love to meet you. Always down for meeting a, a listener and or Wildcat fan because you know we have a lot in common and that's a good thing. Uh, so. My keys for this particular game tonight are not, I, I guess it's maybe a not traditional way to look at uh, how you kind of predict a game. I don't really do predictions just because I work for the team and I don't really like to, to do that kind of thing. Kind of thing. But um, as far as the keys to this game go, you know, obviously the starting five, 
they're going to have to be gelling and they're going to have to limit turnovers and we get all that. You don't give the other ball the ball to the other team and this and that. But to me, the keys to tonight's game are these three guys. Umar Ballo, Justin Kyer, and Pella Larson. Those are Arizona's bench players that are going to be available for tonight's game outside of you know, guys like Shane Noel and Adama Ball and you know anybody else who might play in the event of a blowout. But Umar Balo, Justin Kyer, Pella Larson. Look, the Wildcats, you know, say what you will, that this is going to be their second game in 22 days, and cardio, lungs, legs might be an issue. We've seen Arizona just absolutely gas teams all season long. I've taken, I mean, I've noticed it every, pretty much every game this year that Arizona's conditioning has been far superior to their opponents. And late in games, Arizona's pace of play has really decimated teams in the final 10 minutes of games. I've heard officials, Pac-12 officials on the court, basically tell, you know, basically tell the Arizona bench, um, I'm trying to give these other guys a breather here. You guys are killing them. Like it, it's, I've, I've literally heard them make those references. So, Arizona's conditioning has been superior to every team they've played. But now they're going to have to fight rust and, you know, the time-off bug. Uh, and, and it's going to be important for Arizona's backups to be able to come in and play at an elevated level, not only get in there with, with energy because, let's be honest, the last time they played, Tommy Lloyd said, look, Umar Ballo played six minutes because he didn't have any energy. Justin Kyer didn't show the energy that we wanted to see, and then Pella Larson got hurt in that game. So it's going to be important for those guys to come out with energy and be able to spell the starters who may be just a little bit more tired than they're, uh, you know, than they're accustomed to being because they're just not in game shape yet um, because of the long layoffs. Meanwhile, Colorado has been playing games, and they're going to be good. I mean, obviously they train in Boulder, so they're in the mile-high air. Their lungs are accustomed to having to work a little bit harder, so coming down to Tucson will be a nice little uh, respite for them, if you will. And it's going to be important because uh, Colorado's bench is actually quite good uh, as well. In, they, run a, they run a pretty good a pretty good rotation of players. K.J. Simpson, of course, we talked about him yesterday. He leads them in, in minutes off the bench. He gets about 19 minutes a game coming off the bench. Uh, Neek Clifford is a good player. He's a, um, you know, kind of a, you know, he's a combo kind of a 2-3 kind of guy, just a wing player, 6-6, uh, six, six, but, you know, he's good. Um, and then they've got a big guy coming off the bench, their freshman, uh, Lawson Lowering, who's a legit 7-footer, big dude, and he's going to cause some problems as well. So it's going to be important for Arizona's bench players to up their game and to be able to either hold or extend leads throughout this contest. Versus Colorado, their number one player, in my opinion, is Jabari Walker. He's very good. Um, you'll see him. He kind of jumps off of the off of the screen when you see him out there. He's he's an Adonis. Uh, <laughs> his dad, Samaki Walker, was also an Adonis. So the genes passed down to Jabari were uh, were strong. He's six nine, two hundred and twenty, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's got a good looking, athletic basketball body. He's very fluid in his movement. Um, he's he's improving as a shooter, but as a sophomore, he's still got a ways to go. But you can just see it oozing out of him, and he's primed to bust out at any time. He's uh, he he can be quite a quite a handful uh, for teams. Um, Kishan Bethelemy 
is a is is a uh, pretty good player for them. He's a guy that kind of takes the lead um, at, at the point guard role. There, he's the lead guard. He's the, the the chief ball handler. And I'll say this: I've seen a lot of Eli Parquet over the years. He's like their their two guard. He does some ball handling at times. For whatever reason, he's like the opposite of Evan Batty when he plays Arizona. I every time I watch Eli Parquet against another team, I'm like, wow. Where is that guy when he plays Arizona? Because against Arizona, it is like deer in the headlights. Uh, I think in the game, in the home game two years ago, McKinley Wright was kind of banged up and missed some minutes in the second half of that game. And Eli Parquet had to be their chief ball handler. I think he had six turnovers in like six minutes. Like it, it was, it was brutal. And I've seen Eli Parquet have some really bad games against Arizona, force some jump shots. He's not a great jump shooter anyways force a lot of jump shots. So Arizona can – I think that's a that's a trend now. I mean, I've seen it multiple times. I've seen it at least three times when he's played against Arizona, just have horrible games. So I'm not expecting much out of Eli Parquet offensively, but defensively is where he makes, he, he makes his name, he makes his presence known. He's a very good defensive player, but he's undersized. So he'll probably get Kerr in, in the defensive uh, – uh, in the defensive scheme for – um, for uh, for Colorado, it, they, I mean, they may put him on Matherin, I guess, but there's a huge size difference there. Parquet barely pushing six four, and Ben is a strong, solid six six. So there might be a problem. I just, again, you know, I started when I when I started previewing this game, I was like, it's 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 a bad matchup for Colorado. Colorado's a good basketball team. This is a really bad matchup for Colorado because Arizona's size is just. It, it is so overwhelming. The two lead guards, okay, the points, both uh, Bartholomew and Kerr, are right around 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, After that, like, it's not even, like, it's not close. Tristan Da Silva is a nice player for them. He's, you might recognize the name, Da Silva, Oscar, his older brother, of course, very good player at Stanford. Tristan is is kind of starting to come around. He started all 14 games for them this year. He's starting to come around. And he has moments of where he's, you know, he's pretty good. But uh, for the most part, he has, uh, you know, he's just been kind of learning out there. So when you when you kind of watch them play, I just I, I feel like Arizona's size is going to be a real problem. Now Jabari Walker is going to be a matchup problem for Arizona. I expect them to put um, to put Azulis Tabellis on him. And we've talked about we talked about Azulis earlier in the week and how much he's had to improve his defense and how he's done that over the last five games. I think he's going to draw Jabari Walker. Uh, maybe Dalen Terry, he's going to be giving up a few inches in length, in height to uh, to Jabari Walker. So that could be a case. So, I mean, there's going to be some interesting matchups there, a little chess match between Tommy Lloyd and between Tad Boyle. But ultimately, I just think, I feel like Arizona's athleticism, their length, and their ability to shoot over the zone when, uh, when uh, Tad Boyle switches to zone – I think will be the real keys to this game. I don't think it's a great matchup, as I said, for Colorado, and uh, hopefully Arizona can come out of this thing with a victory and get ready for Utah coming into the McHale Center on Saturday. Hopefully the games all get played, right? Like that's what we're—that's kind of what we're hoping for right now. I just want to get Arizona on the court playing basketball. Uh, that's the most important thing for this team right now. So tonight they will play, barring a crazy miraculous uh you know some kind of weird happenstance with uh with the covid protocols but 
that game should go on and scheduled at 9 p.m. tonight. And uh, head out to the Kale Center. Be sure to acknowledge all of the new uh, mask policies for Arizona basketball. Please just just go along with it. I know that not – trust me, as somebody – I get a little personal here. Somebody who has very much high anxiety with anything like on my face, like a, like any kind of a mask, or I've tried to wear a sleep mask before and I wake up with night terrors and stuff like that. I, if I go to the hospital or whatever and they have to put a, a oxygen mask on me, I usually faint. And all. I mean, it's, I have very high anxiety with stuff on my face. So the last two years has been very difficult for me wearing a mask. It's, I've had to overcome a lot of you know, essentially like mental type of blocks about wearing a mask. I get it. It sucks. Just please, just, just follow the rules. Just for just for a couple hours, okay? If you have to hold your drink up to your face to you know to watch the game or whatever, fine. But just follow the rules, please. And let's just get through this thing because I, damn it, I'm sick of having games canceled. I'm sick of having to talk about this mess. Just play along, please. Play nice. Be good. <laughs> and, just help us get along, all right? Help us get through this thing. Arizona has increased the policy on mask wearing inside the McHale Center. They have uh, new styles of masks that must be worn. Please acknowledge those and uh, just try to follow the rules the best you can. We appreciate that very, very much. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return, finish up our number one. We'll get geared up for some football because it is NFL playoff weekend, and I have a full slate of games to preview and predictions for you coming up next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Just a short segment here before we turn over to the hour number two and start getting into the NFL. Last night in the association, Big game between the Nets and the Bulls. The Bulls were coming off, what was it, like a 46-point victory the other night um, where they just went off from three-point line. And last night was a completely different look as the Brooklyn Nets went into Chicago and just laid one on them. And I mean took them out to the woodshed and buried them. That game was 62-60 to at halftime. The Nets had a, had a 62-60 to lead at halftime. And outscored the Bulls 76-52 to the rest of the way. Like, just just completely crushed them. Uh, and James Harden was asked after the game, you know, how did it happen? You know, how did, how did you guys dominate Chicago this way? And he responded with three words, we're that good. And they were, they were damn good last night and were flexing and showing why they are one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. When they are healthy, they are scary, scary good. And last night was defense, was really what did it for them. Uh, they, after uh, after halftime, they just kind of suffocated the Bulls. Now, don't let the 112 by the Bulls fool you. The The Nets were up nearly 40 points in the fourth quarter and completely took their foot off the gas. They you know, took all the, yanked all the starters out for the entire fourth quarter. And the Bulls kind of started to make it up a little bit. Scored, I think they scored like thirty-one in the in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it was defense that really did it for Brooklyn. It was really impressive. And uh, James Harden finished one shy of his career high in assists. Uh, Kevin Durant was going off. Kyrie in just his third game back from 
being allowed to play basketball this season, scored over 20 points. It was a it was a, a, a great performance by the Brooklyn Nets, 138 points against the Chicago Bulls. That's uh, extremely impressive. So the Nets showing why they are a favorite in the Eastern Conference. And then in the Western Conference, a team that so many people were like, oh, they're going to be so good and they're so unstoppable and who's going to beat this team in the West? And I'm like, are you really? Like, are you really going to say that about the Lakers? Because I don't think that team is worth a damn. And once again, last night, they couldn't shoot. Specifically, Russ couldn't shoot. Two for 14 from the field last night. And they lose again to the Sacramento Kings, 125 to 117. The Lakers' biggest problem isn't even their shooting. It's their defense. I mean, 125 to the Kings? They have one of the worst defenses in the league. Period. End of story. You cannot win a championship. They will not win the West. They will not win a playoff series playing defense like that. And I don't see any rescue in sight for the Lakers. And we can all be happy about that. All right, that's going to wrap things up for hour number one of the Jeff Dean Show. Coming up in hour number two, a ton of NFL playoff action. We'll preview and predictions coming up after this quick little two-minute timeout right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.